Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Mother and Crone. Um, we're real excited here about all the good things that happened. We had a really great show last week. Um, this week, again, I have a guest co-host, and I have been so fortunate and able to get him back again. He hasn't run away from me yet. Um, Jason Corral, welcome back again. Welcome, everybody. Hi. It's so exciting when I get to share time with you. I think we've shared more time in the last couple of weeks than we have in the last couple of years. Yes. Uh, well, we're going to change that's much that. That's true though. because we were meeting every Friday. Oh, that's true. We were meeting every Friday. We're going to have to change that. You're going to have to get down here. I'm going to have to get up there. I'll definitely be up there for the Parliament of World Religions. stuff. I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Well, we're welcoming everybody in. Um, tonight we have, I actually have a cold. Um, and you guys know sometimes I do cold instead of hot because it is still 75 degrees here, okay? I'm sweating <laughs> doing the show. Um, but we have, and the reason we're doing this one is you notice in October we did a lot of psychic teas. Well, this is stress, okay? So we're going to start doing lavender and very nice teas that are very calming, stress-free. Because let's face it, the next couple weeks are, oh my God, it's family. Um, so I have lavender, um, and lavender is absolutely wonderful. You don't put a lot in your tea, and lavender can be infused in a lot of different things. If you guys remember, when I went to West Virginia, I got lavender-infused syrup, um, and it, it wasn't strong. It's just enough, and that lavender was actually uh, harvested in Deep Creek, Maryland, so you know, I knew where it was coming from, so that was kind of cool. And if you go back through our scenes, you'll see where we got this stuff from because we had the cute little holders and all. But just to let you know that lavender, it has a lot of medicinal uses, and the main one is obviously calming. Um, smelling it or taking it internally has a calming effect. Um, Johnson little Johnson bit. has the baby that has the lavender in it. Oh, yeah. That worked great for my kids. Mm -hmm. They used to put lavender above the cribs um, where the baby couldn't reach it, but entangle it because the smell would calm the child down. Now you can buy the, the wash, the baby wash, the lotion, the shampoo. Uh, you can even buy air freshener with lavender in it. You know, if you really want to knock your kid out, just, you know, no. But it is calming, and taking it internally, again, I tell everybody, be very careful, but there's some really good qualities in the lavender. It has, um, of course, your vitamins, D. it has vitamin C in it because it's a flower, 
Um, it has a calming effect. It also um, helps soothing with the stomach. If you have stomach ailments, it can kind of ease them a little bit because of the calming influence of it. Um, traditionally, skin blemishes. It's good and for blemishes. Yes. And you know, if you buy the, um, it's Johnson and Johnson puts it in their um, baby lotion. You can actually use that. Um, and I have said, if you're having a hard time with insomnia or just a hard time calming down, actually using the Johnson's baby lotion as a hand lotion. You're putting it on, you're smelling it, you're getting it into you, so it's actually calming you down, whether you realize it or not. And that's a really good way of calming down. Um, if you have the ability to have the fresh stuff, that's really cool. And you can put that in your house. And a lot of people will do um, big floral displays and they'll put the lavender like stalks of it in there because it kind of stalky kind of thing. And they put it in there and it, it really looks nice. And it also has that nice lavendery smell, you know, that smells nice. Um, as far as magical uses, um, love spells. Sachets, you use it all the time for sachets. Uh, clothing good. rubbed um, in lavender attracts love, supposedly. Uh, it's love, protection, sleep, chastity. How can you have love and chastity in the same word? Never mind. Uh, longevity, purification, happiness, and peace. So, you can love and still be chaste. Okay, I, I'm sure you can. It's like French fries without ketchup, you know. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just well, if right you're there. in the South, you prefer gravy over it. Yeah. Oh, God, that's a Baltimore thing. I just got on a website. This is Maryland is a cult, not a state. And I lived in Maryland for 50-some years. So I'm reading yeah, all of these things. And some of, some of them prefer uh, malt vinegar on their fries, too. Yes. In Baltimore, it's Old Bay. Either that's gravy perfect. or Old Bay. Nothing else. Uh, they even frown on ketchup. So, unless you put Old Bay in your ketchup. Trust me, Old Bay goes on everything. Um, but the leaves, you could actually burn incense with lavender. Um, I don't like, it depends on the incense, where you get it from, because some of them are a little strong, and some of them are just, it doesn't smell and, as and good. And depending on where you get it, it doesn't smell like lavender. It smells like, oh. You know what I'm saying. It, it yeah. doesn't smell quite... Right. right. No, it doesn't smell like it's natural lavender. We'll just go that route. Yeah. Now, essential oils, if you have one of the um, little diffusers or if you have um, the little tea light that you can put the essential oil in and burn it off, that's another way of using lavender. Um, I would not be opposed to having that kind of use of la lavender in your house when you're having guests over because it is calming. You know, I, I'm not putting it out there it's not going to knock everybody out but it is going to bring things down a notch that's for the turkey the tryptophan yes everybody eats the turkey and falls asleep you hope of course <laughs> the ones you hope fall asleep never do it's usually the four-year-old that doesn't fall asleep yeah so and they have a natural immunity yes they have a natural immunity for anything called sleep yeah. um there's a lot of things lavender can be done with um I really do like the idea of, um, I call it a sleep pillow. It's a little pillow that you put between the pillowcase and the pillow, and it's usually just a little sachet that you put lavender or something in. So it's not against your face, so it doesn't break you out, that kind of thing, but the scent comes through. 
And that's a nice way of relaxing, um, especially with the holidays and everything being crazy. Um, either do the lavender, your tea, or whatever you got around the house. It's 150 proof. You can pour that in your tea, and you, you'll be good. It'll be good. Um, everybody laughs when I say that, but I'm telling you, it is insane this time of year. And with this time of year, we just got through Samhain, and I don't know if you celebrate it family-wise, but that's, that's a big celebration. Um, our next big one is in the U.S. If anybody's watching from outside the U.S., our Thanksgiving is coming up. And that is one of the most traveled days of the year, I believe. They, it's still quite up there yeah. for traveling. So this is the time of year when, you know, the word family can mean a lot of things. Some of them not always pleasant and nice. Um, if people say something, the comedians always have a lot of um, material when they talk about family, you know. And sometimes you can just say, I got to do this. It's a family thing. And everybody understands. We don't know what it is, but we totally get it. You know, it's a family thing. So there are no such things as normal families. Let's just put that out there. Every family is, has abnormalities to them. Everyone. 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 So, and I used to laugh because, um, you know, you go to your relatives, you know, and they're trying to put on a good show. And you know what these people are really like in real life. And you're sitting there going, oh, yeah, this is going to go well tonight. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I have my father's family. My extended family is quite large. Um, my father had quite a number of brothers and sisters. And I have like 25 first cousins. So we're, we're kind of prosperous in that area um and it was always amazing to me when we would get together because it was never small gatherings it was always you know everybody brought all their kids so you, you, you met you met at the legion or whatever and filled up the whole banquet hall basically <laughs> you know it was just us um and it's it's crazy and i do get family um my family a lot of my family's military so they've lived all over the world so they come away with customs they like. If they live somewhere and really liked the way they did something, they'll just bring it home with them and, and do it. So um, needless to say, our family, my extended family, is like kind of crazy when it comes to different things, traditional things they do. One of the good things they like to do, though, and I can really say this, is to make sure that um, this time of year, this is when we reach out. This may be the only time I talk to some of my cousins, but this is the time when we reach out to each other. Just a, hey, nothing more, just hey, and, well, and we, we get family, it. My family, it wasn't, I mean, well, depending on which great aunt was fighting with which great aunt, how many Thanksgivings you actually attended. However, sometimes we would do a great big one where we would meet at like the Legion or something like that and just do a great big one. But if the great aunts were fighting, you had, of course you can't go to one without going to the other. Uh, one one Thanksgiving, I did like five Thanksgiving. Oh my god! <laughs> and you have to eat at each one, right? Uh, yes, and you've got to eat at each one just a little bit. I mean, you don't have to, you know. Uh, no, I used to end up when I was in Maryland, uh, my family's mostly in West Virginia. So Maryland, um, my late husband had a large family. So I catered, I had my own catering business. So it was assumed 
and I love that word, assumed, assumed, assumed that, oh, Pam can handle this because she caters for three and 400 people at a time. Never thinking that that's the last thing I want to do is cook all frippin' day. So um, it was always like, you know, I, we finally got to where we had everybody wanted to do a specialty dish. And I was like, that's perfect. Everybody bring their specialty dish. And then I ended up cooking two turkeys and two hams. And we didn't have left. No, two 25-pound turkeys and usually two 15-pound hams. And there was nothing left afterwards. Of course not. Seriously. Um, but he had a brother that made that green bean casserole with the crunch with the, onion. The, you know what I'm talking with the crunchy onion on it. And then he had a did, a, the, did the bread dressing. Somebody did. Uh, I usually did the dressing cause I did an oyster and yes, it is a thing. Oyster dressing. Yes. I know um, it's an oyster dressing. I know there's, it's such a thing. I'm not a big fan of it. I've never been a big fan of it. Um, his sister um, is in Cambridge, Maryland, and used to live in Cambridge on the Eastern Shore. So she would bring the fresh oysters in. Okay, and I that literally. Would, that, would be, that might be a little different. That would be a little different. Different, because I shuck them little suckers and then I put them in. So it's not the same as when you buy it in the can. It, right. And I've, I've, like I said, never been a. It's, no, it's fishy when you buy it in the can. I don't yeah. know why. But, you know, I did oyster and a sage, and then, of course, you know, the four kinds of potatoes, and oh my gosh, by the time I got done, it was... Mashed fried. <laughs> well, you have to have mashed potatoes and turkey gravy, and then you have to have the candy jams, and you have to... Somebody wants the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows in them. And, okay. Question for you. What's the difference between sweet potatoes and yams? A sweet potato. A yam is a tuber more of a tuber it's more of the um the family of radishes in that where the sweet potatoes in the potato family okay the sweet potato is a little bit sweeter than a yam okay and a yam it can be a little bit more pulpy more like a um squash okay so that's basically the difference if you're cooking and you're not like you're not making like baked potatoes out of sweet potatoes or yams, it really, you can intermix them in any recipe and no one's ever going to be able to tell the difference. Because so, when, when I've prepared yams and when I've pre prepared sweet potatoes, I really can't taste much. Mm -hmm. I mean... The only time you're going to taste the difference is, is if you bake them like potatoes, you know, like baked potatoes, right. and you take a bite of this one and a bite of that one. The sweet potato is going to be a little bit sweeter than the yam. The yam holds up better for candying. A sweet potato right, right. kind of mushes. Folds up and falls apart, yes. Right, but your I, your yams, if you slice them, then you can candy them better. Oh, okay. here I am giving out all my free cooking recipes. <laughs> but what I wanted to talk about was Thanksgiving. I mean, you hear a lot of gratitude, and especially after the last two years. And I say two years because, let's face it, 20 sucked and 21 hasn't done much better. So... Basically, the last two years have been difficult for everybody. Um, a lot of gatherings that normally would happen didn't Did because, happen. yeah, because you couldn't. Or, or, or they did it like this. Yeah, you, you did a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, and things just weren't the same, so to speak. So it's, um, it's different when you're in the same room versus 
teleconferencing in, I guess. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, seriously, I noticed the big difference, um, even in ritual. I prefer being physically with somebody. Um, and I'm bad because I'll drive to Jacksonville. I'll drive four hours to go to a ritual in person on Saturday and then drive back Sunday morning to do my ritual here on Virtual Circle. So that's how much I like it in person. I'll drive four hours out and four hours back so I can, you know, meet with my friends. Um, the biggest thing about Thanksgiving, and it is a, a thankful time. I mean, we have to understand, um, especially now there's a lot of um, stuff going on with the indigenous population in America and how they feel about Thanksgiving. Um, being Native, um, I have some issues with it. I can't say I don't. But it is a time to be thankful. And I think the idea of being thankful, not necessarily with the first Thanksgiving and the pilgrims and the Indians and all of that. I mean, even if you took that out of the scenario, just having a day to be thankful for what you do have. And teaching because your children. Because you you're going to be leading into Christmas where you want. <laughs> yes, exactly. Isn't that weird how we go from being thankful to, you know, killing each other the next day on Black Friday? Yeah, for that. Saving $2 on that $5,000 TV. Yeah. Um, but did you notice how many stores are actually closing on Thanksgiving this year? Yes. They're was, doing the online yeah. thing like they did last year. But I never thought I'd hear Walmart closing on Thanksgiving. Because that's usually one of their big big days but things have changed with this pandemic people are starting to realize you don't need to work 80 hours a week to prove who you are and you're now we're starting to realize that was the big goal remember back in the day 60 hours a week was not unusual for a manager 60 to 80 hours was not even what wasn't even a drop in the bucket right and, yeah i mean and then That's you know you were still on call on the weekends Right. Well, I usually go in around seven ish, maybe 10 after seven, and I don't get off till five. And then I'm answering my phone or whatever needs yeah. to be done. And I'm still doing that. So it's like people are now starting to realize that your employer can fire you and you're, you've lost your job. But if your family walks out, you've lost your life. It's, so. we're, we're coming full circle. I mean, we went from the industrial age where, you know, you worked, you worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and, worked. and you know, to support your family to now we're coming back to the pre-industrial thing when it was family, you, 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 you where you did the farm, you know, I can't say farming because a lot of, but you spend more time with your family. Right. You do um, 40 hours and you're done. Yeah. Or, or you're out in the fields with your, so, you know, kids and whatever. And I, I really, being someone who has worked those hours and I'm still working those hours. Um, I think that I'm single, obviously. So I don't have anybody I have to come home to. I have a roommate. Um, but I think that, I would prefer a 40-hour week only because it gives you that time to do other it's stuff. Kind of, it, well, to, to get decompressed. You're not constantly... I mean, I, I've worked 70, 80-hour work weeks, and that's a lot of stress. 
It really is. It's a lot of stress on your body. Well, and it's stress in your relationship. If you're single, it's one thing. And I, I'll just tell you that, honestly, it's because you can come home, kick your shoes off, and go to bed. Yeah. I use, I've always been in accounting, crunching numbers. Coming home and having two kids, or three kids, because I have three, you know, I come home to the kids, and it's like, you, you've got to switch the gears, and then if you don't get home till late... Yeah, you, know, you don't they're even still, have time. They're still, they're still running, running amok, and and it's crazy. Yeah, I really um, Portugal just passed a law, and I saw it the other day, and I thought it was I saw it like Monday or Tuesday, where your boss is not allowed. It's now illegal for him to text or email you after working hours and expect you to return the text. They just passed that law. Okay, and I was like, damn. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, America, take note. And a couple other countries are starting to look at that now, too, because there are countries out there that do, like Sweden, I think, gives you six months off after you have a baby. And um, there's a lot of free time, like most European, comp- most European countries get a month off every year. They get a full month, and they can take the whole month at one time. And I'm sitting here going, to get two days off in a row is like a major accomplishment. (laughs) Yeah, so we got to look at some things. But the gratitude that we have, I mean, since everything has changed in two years, this might be the first time you've had family in two years come over. Um, It's going to be tough because you haven't been around them in a while. You know, I mean, you talk every day on the phone, but you have people in your house all of a sudden where you didn't before. So it's, you know, and people are traveling. Oh, my goodness. Did you see where all the airlines are, like, gearing up? Yeah. So people people are traveling now, and there are European countries that are actually shutting down because uh, COVID numbers are going up. They're shutting down. And here we are in the highest traveled holiday, and people are using it because what was it? Um, American Airlines, was it American or Southwest that shut down, I don't know, 200 flights or something a couple weeks ago, and it was a uh, mess. That wasn't it a ransomware attack? Yeah, and they had to shut down. Yeah. And thousands of people got stranded. So, um, I was just thinking, you know, the holidays are rough on adults. Let's all, let's just put it out there. They're rough on us. Okay, it's rough on adults, but it's also rough on kids. Exactly. And these little guys don't understand that. And they don't understand why maybe you don't like grandma, whoever, because she's an annoying mother-in-law or vice versa. You know, let's be honest. Um, All the kids know is grandma's coming. And they love grandma. Mm-hmm. So, this is a time of year where sometimes it's really difficult, and children don't understand. But you know, they understand a lot more if you talk to them because they're not really that stupid. No, they can feel the tension I mean, in the room. How would they? You know, how could you inspire gratitude in a child? I suggest a 
possibly a gratitude jar. You know, what they've been grateful for. You know, write it down, put it in the jar. And it doesn't just have to be on Thanksgiving. It could be leading up to Thanksgiving. When you're at Thanksgiving, you can read them, you know. That's great. That would be a great way to start the dinner. You know, and it can be completely anonymous. You know, you don't have to sign your name or anything. But, the you know, this person's grateful for actually having a job. I mean, you know, they were unemployed for the year and a half. Year and a half with this pandemic thing. I think that's an excellent idea. And starting the dinner with something like that is, is one way to put a lot of things into perspective. You know, children don't have a filter, most of them, and they write from their gut. So you're going to have some pretty, yeah, you're going to have some real honesty there, which if you're not used to it, you're going to get surprised because these little guys can really hit you hard. But I really, I like that idea, the, the gratitude jar and starting it now and then having it at dinner. You know, everybody could pull a piece out and, and say, you know, whatever, you know, whatever's written on there, you know, that kind of could be your prayer to start your dinner. Yeah. That, that's a wonderful idea. I think children, children see and hear more than we realize. And when a toddler, you notice it when you have a toddler because the words you don't want them to say are the words they pick up from you. Mm-hmm. And I swore my last one was going to, his first word was going to be shit because that was my favorite word. <laughs> and I swore that child was going to say that first. But they pick up on different things and you don't realize what you're putting out there and they're picking up. So I just want to caution parents, this is the time of year, especially with blended families, that you are going to have scheduling issues you're going to have time constraints. You're going to have travel constraints. And it's sometimes just a, a massive clusterfuck. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. It is. But, but you also need to show patience because you never know what's... And it's the children need to understand. Some people say, oh, why, sh- why should I tell my kid? They're not going to understand. You'd be surprised with this little... They can understand a whole lot more, and it's better that they get the truth and what's really going on instead of their little minds coming up. Thinking, oh yeah, you know, you know this. Uh, I was watching a uh, a video about a girl going to school telling their parents about the weed they were growing in their yard. It was weeds. They, oh. You know, talking about weeds out but there are weeds out there they go out and pull weeds and completely sounded completely different of what they were actually i'll tell you um i adopted one of my children i adopted two um and the one um explained to me the reason she thought her parents got divorced was because one took the blankets every night blanket hog no clue. And when you're little, you you make those assumptions and those jumps because you don't understand because no one sat down and explained things to you. And you don't need to wait till they're well, that, 22. That could be part of the reason for the, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was part of the reason, <laughs> but I don't think that was the entire reason. No, 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 no. no. Um, but I think if we start teaching our children, it's, 
it's just like teaching them the spiritual path. If you don't start when they're little and have them understand what's going on, then they make up their own stories in their head. Now, I'm not sure y'all are ready for some of them stories. Uh, yeah, they can be pretty um, awe-inspiring. Well, like I said, the the weed thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I worked for a company called D-I-C-K, Dick Corporation, and my son went to work to school and told everybody his mommy works for Dick all day. Yeah, that was a, that was a school conference. Yeah. Yeah. But that's children, you know. Yeah. So I like to, if you want a child who is loving and caring, they have to see it to understand it. Because you can talk to a child and 90% of it goes right out. But if they participate and they do, they remember now, a lot what are, of parents. What other suggestions do you have for kids? When I did, when my kids were little, we did um, the day before Thanksgiving. A lot of places did their soup kitchens, mm-hmm. and some do it on Thanksgiving. But in Baltimore, a lot of them did it like the day before. The churches would do it the day before, and um, I dragged my kids down. They learned. They made plates for people. Um, the school one year that my son went to, everybody had to come in and bring an extra sandwich. And they actually went out, collected all the sandwiches, and took them to a homeless shelter. And they wanted the children to make them. And the children had to write a note to go in the bag saying, um, here's something for you. I hope you enjoy it or something along those lines, you know, something to express what was going on. And I thought that was absolutely cool because, um, I made my kids make their own sandwiches to put in the bag. And, uh, they, I don't know how many homeless shelters they took it to because it was a large school, but it took five minutes, you know, and then the kids actually got to see what went on because they took a couple of them for the field trip. And they went to the homeless shelters and delivered the stuff. Now, I know nowadays with this COVID thing, there are, you know, kind of constraints on that kind of stuff. But there's still a lot of homeless out there. And, you know, stopping by where you know where they gather or some of the churches, like some of the churches, it's sometimes it's hard to bring food to the church because of worries about everything. Um, a lot of times if you buy bread or buy the turkey and give it to the church, then they'll cook it type thing. That's always a way to participate. Having the kids, and there is nothing wrong with children seeing that there are people down on their luck. Um, there are people who prefer to be homeless. They, they like the freedom mm-hmm. because there's no constraints on them. They do what they want to do. Um, but I think it's, a, it's really great fodder for a discussion when you start talking about it and start explaining it and finding out because a lot of parents are going to find out if they start researching it that there's a lot of reason people are homeless and it's not always what you think it is it's not just addicts it's sometimes just someone that just down on their luck sometimes many um, families are down on their luck especially nowadays yeah i mean an army vet that came back and suffering from severe PTSD. There's quite a number of them out there. Unfortunately. Um, unfortunately. I did uh, a lot of that in Baltimore. We did um, 
Baltimore, uh, United Way did uh, Homeless Connect. Baltimore was the largest city that they serviced, and we were the largest Homeless Connect. And that's what we did. We brought in about 6,000 people during the day. They got fed. They got, we had 150 different services for that day. We had dentists. We had mammograms. We, I, I co-chaired housing, so I was helping place people in housing. Um, whether it was group homes or whatever, you know, my job was to make sure I had everybody from every department in the mayor's office there so that these right. people could get housing. But it was, um, it was pretty awe-inspiring. And that's what I learned a lot about homelessness. And I learned that it's not always addicts and it's not always what you think it is. And it's things that happen. And, and you know, like I said, suffer, and then somebody suffering from mental illness. I mean, you have the full spectrum of reasonings, the reason why. I mean, And it doesn't hurt to talk to your kids about it. Right. Because, like you said, if it's mental illness, we need to get rid of that stigma. And we need to say, you go to the doctor when you break your arm. You, need, you might need to go to the doctor when you break your mood. Yeah. So that's it, a discussion. You know, and it's a good discussion. I mean, we all... In this life, sometimes we need help. I mean, we get stuck in some... Well, it's it's just like your health, your, your yeah. physical. If, yeah. as you, you know, it doesn't matter. You can break your arm, you can break your toe. How many times you broke your little toe on the stupid couch? I mean, you go to the doctor for it. Well, if you're having stress and you're breaking because of the stress, then you go see a therapist and you get it taken care of. It, it's it's, I say it's that simple. It's not, but it is. Right. Um, it's the stigma. The other thing is to, we need to teach them to get rid of this, the stigma that it's a bad thing to be going to therapy. It's a, it is not a bad thing to be in therapy. It's um, no. very good. It is good to talk through whatever situation you have. I mean. What people don't understand is we had therapy way back in the day before in the 60s and before then because families live close together you could talk about a lot of the issues i'm not saying everything no. but you it, my father used to call it the hens club where all the women would sit outside after the kids went to school and drink their coffee and talk about their husbands yeah usually a good idea and or talk about you know stuff and you would share recipes you would share ideas you would basically just comfort each other and it was nothing more than a bunch you know in my neighborhood it was about six women sitting out back drinking coffee and just talking about the day with a little irish in it but that's a whole other yeah that's a whole other thing but you know we did that nowadays no i grew up in how a multi-generational house neighbor? how many people know their neighbors that's I a mean, damn good question i mean Another thing for kids to do, I mean, as simple as, you know, maybe your elderly neighbor does not have, you know, their, you know, their family's out of town. I mean, they can't take them a plate of food, you know, take, you know, something that might be the only good meal they have that day. That's very true. Just even a well visit check to make sure that they're okay. Because the holidays, the suicide rate doubles. 
and depression deepens. First of all, you got more nighttime because the sun goes down sooner. So we're, we're more. Now your body's not having vitamin K? D. D. Is it D? Okay. D. D. I know because I have that issue. I have SAD. And that's a seasonal affective disorder. When I lived up north this time of year, my satellite sat next to my computer and I'd have to flip it on every day. And you have to sit three to four hours in front of it to get the juju out of it to make it work. Um, I live in the south now. I live in Florida. I don't have it. Except we have days where it's cloudy all day. And you know, I can feel that. And it's like, I can feel it in my body going, okay, I feel down. I'm not as peppy. I'm, and it's, it's, I need my vitamin, vitamin C. I got to wait till the sun comes back out and I go out there and I get that vitamin D and I'm, I'm good. But you can't, I mean, you can take the vitamin, but it doesn't give you as good it's not, a boost. It's not the same. It's, it's as not walking out or getting a, a satellite. Yeah. And your neighbors, you don't know. Now, let's face it, a lot of older people cannot get out, you know, physically, especially up north. You all have got, have you had snow yet? Yes, we've had snow. <sighs> it didn't stick, it didn't stick, didn't stick, but yes, there's been flurries I'm in the air. so sorry, but as, an, as somebody who's older, going out in that kind of weather is not always a good thing. It's not safe. I mean, one slip and fall in... There's so, a, yeah, I mean, a, just a well-visit knock, are you okay? I brought you a piece of pie or some silly thing. little thing. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, a 10-course meal. It can be a piece of pie. But it's checking that neighbor just to make sure. And I'll tell you what, little kids are really good at that stuff. They'll go up, they'll knock on the door, and they'll hand that pie. They might not remember to say anything like they were supposed to, but they'll hand them that pie. <laughs> you know? Well, um, well, sometimes it might not make it there, depending on your kid. Yeah, well, mine, it never made it there. but <laughs> And their grandma lived next door. so. <laughs> um, but no, teaching your children these kinds of things, teaching them that it's okay to feel depressed and down. I don't think, now, I... I'm a psychology major, so you know me. I, I already knew this. But a lot of times with your children, we don't tell them it's okay to be down. We don't tell them it's okay to have a down day. Now, let's face it, as adults, we have down weeks. I'm not even going to say day. We have weeks where it's like um, Monday every day. Yeah, Monday. You have Monday for five days in a row, okay? And you all know what I'm talking about because you've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Have we ever thought about Groundhog's our kids? Day. Groundhog's yes. Monday. <laughs> Just repeating Monday. How many of our kids have had Monday for five days of school? No one's ever bothered to ask them, I'm sure. But we have to explain to our kids, and this is a great time when you're talking about being thankful. It's also a great time to, to touch on those things. You know, it's okay to have a down day. It's okay to be angry at something and want to just blow off, you know, but let's find out why we're angry. You know, just talk about your emotions because let's face it, Jason, I know when you were growing up, you were told big boys don't cry. Yep. Big one. Yep. Big boys don't cry. And that is the saddest thing in the world to say. It truly is. 
because you're denying who you are. You're human. Well, okay. When I was younger, younger, you know, I, I like playing with baby dolls. Okay. I, you know, I would carry them around and uh, my grandmother took them away from me, away from me, you know, purposely put them away because boys do not play with, play with dolls. Believe it or not, I learned more from, you know, taking care of that doll about, you know, how to take care of a child. I mean, you, you, you know, how to hold it and things. You, you really need to, men need to know these things. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it takes both of us to procreate. Yes, it takes, it takes two and it takes two to take care of the kid. I mean. At least. At least sometimes, you know, it, it, I, I truly believe it does take a village to raise a kid. I, I'm right there with you. It takes I'm grandma, not, grandpa, and a couple aunts and uncles in there. And cousins, and, you know, when, you know, the other thing is, you know, parents do need time away from kids, and they need to have adult time. They wow. need to have date night. It is really important. I mean, I, I, I know some adults, part of the problem with their later getting divorced and things like that is they forgot to be a couple. You know, they... It was always the kid, but they forgot to that they're a couple. Uh, Especially, you know where that happens in blended families, because you come into the relationship with a child already, Mm -hmm. and then and this happened to me and my late husband. We both came into the relationship with children. Then after the kids grew up, we looked at each other and went, "Who the hell are you?" (laughs) Not being mean, our first date was with our children. I'm not joking. Pizza Hut. I'm I'm just saying, you know, it is as an adult, it is good to have, you know, even if you have kids, to have special time to go out together. I mean, because then you can talk about issues that have, you know, come up besides just the kids. Or get to know each other. Yeah, get to know each other again, over and over. I mean, the older you get, the more you you do change. I mean, things change. Your body changes, you know, and priorities change. Yeah, and and I'm telling you, I went walking into a blended family, and you have, you know, you're trying to make that work. Then you've got the outside yeah. other partners Outfits. that you want to kill, and then you know, I mean, okay, but yeah, you know, but I'm I'm serious. That that is a time when. The date night is extremely important. It also lets the children know that it's okay to have alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, my son was more of a loner. He, he liked his, his a lot of uh, boys, teenage boys, do what I call caving. Yes. They go in their room, they shut the door, and they only come out to eat or to go to the bathroom, and the door stays shut. And they are perfectly Hermit. content. We're, we're hermits. Yes. I call it caving. Um, girls usually do not do that. They come out, they're social. They're a little bit more social. So they'll want to come out and talk to mom or drive mom crazy where the guys will cave and do their thing. But we don't teach our kids what me time is, what time is for them to do something that they want to do. You know, your kid comes home from school, he's got homework to do, you've got dinner to get on the table, you've got chores that need to get done, and then it's bedtime. Mm-hmm. 
By the time you get all that done, it's bedtime. And this child's had no real me time. There's no bedtime to where he can process of what's going or he or she can process what what's going on in that day. I mean, as you know, I know some of us haven't been teenagers or anything for years, but a lot, I mean, teenage hormones, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're just, there's never, I, I don't, male or female, you're constantly. There's no happy medium. There, there is no happy medium. Some days you're, you know, higher in a kite and the next moment. Yeah, it's like. She comes home crying because the guy didn't look at her in school, and then the phone rings, and he's on the phone, so she's yes. dying. I'm never going to make it. I'm going to die. No one knows. And then the phone rings, and it's him. It's like, oh, I'm in heaven again. I'm like, oh, my God. I swore if I got through the and girls. The, and, the, and the guys are just as bad. Um, yes. I, um, I always thought if I got rid of the girls, my last one was a boy. It wouldn't be that bad. Oh, was I ever wrong. No. But, you know, we're not teaching them. Right. And we're not teaching them self-care. We don't even do self-care. So we're not teaching self-care. We're not teaching um, how to handle situations. Um, everybody has that one relative that nobody wants to be around but ends up coming to everything. And whether they're cantankerous or whether they have dementia, that's whole nother thing but you're not letting your children see people as they really are you know because kids make up their own minds who they like who they don't like and whether or not they want to be with somebody and the one that's suffering from alzheimer's you know they be telling i mean they can sometimes tell wonderful stories Oh, and they can know in vivid detail of what happened that if it happened 50 years ago, if it happened 50 years ago. Yes. I mean, something that's I mean, educating your kids on what happened then. I mean, but they might not know what you know, where they if they're wearing socks or not. <laughs> they don't know if they just finished dinner or not, because they yeah. can't remember if they ate. Right. My late husband's grandmother um, had early stages of dementia. And her short-term memory was shot. But she could tell you 50 years ago what she did at a scout meeting. She used to help me run my scout meetings because she had that. But she would ask 20 times after someone walked out of the room where they were. They're in the bathroom. However long it took, she must ask 20 times. They're in the bathroom. They'll be out in a minute. I promise you. But it was that same thing. But, you know, if we hide that from our children when they see it, it's scary. But if you see it and understand it and, and you speak to them and let them know how things are. I mean, we were fortunate. We had multi-generational family living together. The kids got to see sickness. They got to see what happens as you get older. They got to see a lot of different things that maybe somebody else else's kid didn't get to see. And I think my kids actually... It, it enriched them because they understood these things. You know, they understood that Granny only could remember two seconds ago, but she could remember a long time ago. So they got used to answering the same question over and over again with her. Like, you know, where is so-and-so? Or is it dinner time yet, Granny? We ate 10 minutes ago. 
you know, and answering her three or four times on that, rather than them losing patience with her and not understanding, we went into a big discussion and explained about how her memory works with her in the room. And she heard what we were saying too, so she understood that she does ask that, and it's okay because she doesn't remember, but she has to understand when she's asked it for the 50th time in two minutes that maybe we're going to be a little short with her. So it was a coming to understanding of the situation. Um, His one uncle had a stroke and could not speak clearly afterwards. So our children had to learn to work with him in a different way. It was more like charades because he could not speak back to you. So they learned another way of communicating. So, and I know my kids will tell you, oh yeah, well, we know all about that. You know, and they grew up with it because, you know, it wasn't thrown at them. It was because they lived with, we all lived together in one house. So they saw it on a daily basis. They understood how to deal with things. And I think as they've grown older, um, they're more appreciative of that kind of situation where they're, they're able to handle I think a little bit more thrown at them because they've seen what can happen. Right. So they're a little bit more open with that. I think we try to spare our children pain and suffering because that's what we do as a parent. But I think sometimes we need to open up and explain things to our children and let them see things. I mean, I know people who never went to funerals until they were adults. In my, where I'm from, uh, you, you, were you went. Yeah. You're, 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 yeah. You're on the hip or you're at, literally yeah. suckling at the breast and you're at the funeral. Yes. And it was explained then about life and death. Now, I remember I've always been to funerals. Yes. It, it was not a shock to me to go to a funeral. My first husband never went to a funeral until he was an adult. His parents didn't believe in taking him. And the first time we went to a funeral, I'm like, oh, you know, I've been to so many of them. I I know this shit down. I got this. Not a problem. And he literally was unsure about how to react and how to talk and how to deal with what was going on. And I breezed in like. Okay. I mean, personally, I've I've been to a, a few in my life. I mean, it's. I always get tongue-tied of what to say. I, I never, it, no matter the what standard, you say. standard, I'm so sorry for your loss is usually, um, it, but. It, it, it just feels like, you know, robot. I mean, I've been on both sides of that coin. I mean, I've been the grieving individual and I've been just a. My a family pain. is like hardly anybody talks at the funeral home. Yeah. But then we go to the wake afterwards, and it's all, all everything at that point, no holds barred. <laughs> you know? So, but um, but the, yeah. it's also a good time to share stories of the deceased. I mean, that's oh, and and you talk about things that went on, and I swear I learn more about stuff when I go to my family's funeral than I do if I ever went anywhere else. You know, yeah. and it's it's that kind of mingling together where. I think it's good for a child to see everybody upset and cry and then to see everybody afterwards calm down and move on. I, from I that. Mean, even even at the wake, you will still have you're still doing the ups and downs. You know, yeah. you'll see the picture and start crying, but then somebody will start telling a story and about, you know, 
when he showed up with a lampshade. And everybody's roaring. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, I think we don't look at our children. I mean, you don't want to impose everything on them, obviously. But there's certain little things. And this season, when we're all being thankful for whatever we're thankful for, I mean, I'm thankful I'm alive. I mean, that's, that's a daily thing. Okay, what, what are you thankful for? Me, personally? Yeah. Yeah. I am thankful that I have a job. I haven't lost my job since COVID started. Um, I'll be here three years in April. Um, I'm thankful I have a really nice place to live. I'm living my dream in Florida that I wanted. So I have tremendous things. I have three healthy children who are exceeding all expectations. Yes, kids, I'm giving you all glory. Um, <laughs> I have grandchildren that are grown and doing their thing and they are absolutely cool people. And I have great grandchildren that are starting to, I have one of them that's actually coming into the fold as a little witch. And it's, it's very exciting to live this long. My parents died very young. So this for me is all new and I love it. I think it's just the fact that, I am this old. I've lived this long. I still have my faculties, sort of. I've always been crazy, so that doesn't count. Um, I go to work every day. I have my health. There are so many things for me to be thankful that I could literally, you know, counting sheep, I could count my blessings and fall asleep. But I have been on that other side of the corner where I've been homeless. I haven't had a home. I didn't know where my next meal was coming from, and that wasn't that long ago. So I've done a, you know, a 360 since I've been here, but I'm thankful for a lot of things. And, and mostly I think I'm just thankful for my friends. And I can pick up the phone. And how many times have I texted you crazy <laughs> shit in the middle of the day? Let's be honest. Yes, middle of the day or later at night something will hit me and I'll hit you with it. And it's like, you have those friends that you can do that with. I can do that with you and only maybe one or two others because you have to really understand the way my brain functions. That when I send you something, it's crazy bitch again, but it's me. <laughs> and I know your wife's going, oh my God, she's nuts. But I am super thankful for the fact that I can. I can pick up my phone and text anybody I need to. And I know that because they'll text me back. And when you have depression and that kind of stuff going on, the fact that you can pick up the phone and call somebody or pick up the phone and text somebody, it makes a big difference in your life. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, and your your text this morning was appreciated. <laughs> I got you. See, I got your text this morning. So I think just being thankful for the little things. I'm not looking at enormous things. Just the fact that I can get up every morning, put my feet on the ground, and go to work. And I have a place to work. Yeah. I'm thankful yeah. for the place I work. I'm thankful for my wife, my kids. I mean... Simon just got his GED. Yes! So he's 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 done with school and he with the COVID thing and not going to school, he decided he was going to do the GED thing. Just he took the classes yeah. and then uh he had to wait till he turned eighteen, then he started taking uh, the test. 
there's I think you had to take five or six tests. I'm not. Yeah, sure. it's not as easy as it used not to just back in the day. Doing one test, no, he, and he has to do them online. So you know, it was never. It doesn't like go to a building and sit down and do the test. No, it's he had to schedule the math test, the science test, mm. and then. I'm so proud of him. So. Oh. So yeah, he he did. So he's officially graduated now. Now he's looking for employment. And I, he had an interview. He did. He's going through that process. So. That's another thing to teach your children. How to go through? How to fill out a job application. Or taking them to the grocery store and let them buy. You know, give them a list to go through. Show. Uh, Simon had to show one of his friends on how to shop at a grocery store. His parents, his parents, you know, he he. I mean, he went with, but he never, you know, did the whole make a list. This is what you need. I I'm not being terribly smart. A lot of parents don't teach their children these necessary survival skills, and um, then I wonder I had, why they can't make it. I, I was talking with somebody at work that came into my work about. Uh, when she went off to college, uh, having to learn how to do laundry, yeah, how to use the washing machine, the coin. Yes. Never, you know, never. Mom always did it, you know. Never had to, you know. And that happens so often because, let's be honest, it's easier for you to do it and get it done. Yeah. But I was always a big believer. My kids were cross trained. My son can cook. He can sew. He can clean, and my girls can use every power tool in the shed. Okay. My grandfather's the one who taught me how to sew. How to do, you know, simple sewing, you know, sewing on patches. Yeah, just the simple sewing on a button type thing. Yeah, so my grandfather's actually the one who taught me. He goes, you need to know this. You will need to know this. And set me down with a needle and thread and said, sew this button on. Now, my dad showed me because my dad was in the military mm-hmm. so was my grandfather i mean that's you gotta learn that shit in the military well it he you know i mean uh, of course my great aunts and my grandmother you know showed me how to cook my mother's culinary skills was putting in a tv dinner into the microwave yes or she could bake she could bake just about anything but she could not Cooking um, was never her strong suit. Unless you're taught. My dad was actually a cook in the military. Mm-hmm. And my uncle owned a catering business. So cooking, men cooking in my household were was normal. Yeah. I mean, and that's not the case in, in many instances. No, no. I, I know mean, that. When I was, I was the strange guy where the, the men were in the other room, you know, watching football. Not a bit, never been a big football fan or basketball fan. I mean, it seemed kind of boring and monotonous i was the kid in the kitchen listening to the him talk and the and you know learning how to make the large meals the the green beans with the bacon and the onions and now my son pulling out my son swore because kids if you have children and you own your own business you don't have to pay them legally so my children um grew up catering so my kids can cook because they grew up cooking with me as well as starting dinner before I got home. They put the meat in and I'd come home and finish up. My son, he was he went to an all-boys school. He was at 
one of the boys' house for the weekend, and there was a group of five or six of them over there. Um, everything was cleared. Both parents were on staff. So um, he, they were all getting hungry, and my sons, well, let's go cook something. And they're all looking at him like going, what? We have potato chips and dip. And my son's like, no, you've no. got to have food in the house. And he went in the kitchen, and he just started pulling stuff out, and he made a big pasta dish for everybody. And the boy's mother was like, oh, my God, your son can cook. I'm like, he better know how to cook. He also better know how to clean that kitchen when he's done. <laughs> You know, because that that's but, you know the the head cook and the chief bottle washer. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because there were. He told me he came home in such a state of shock. He was like, "Mom, most of them didn't even know how to cook," and I'm like, "Well, Jay, not everybody, not everybody's given the privilege of learning." Well, and following a recipe. Oh yes, I mean, okay, as. As you get better at cooking, you will, you know, improvise and, you know, that just doesn't, maybe I need a little bit more of this or whatever. But showing your kids how to follow a recipe, I mean, uh, you know. Well, my daughter, she was hysterical. She got a, a, a townhouse with a group of girls. Now, her room, we had to take a snow shovel to go through her room. Oh, yeah. Okay. She says to me, my roommates are so messy. Like, nobody's messier than you. And she's like, I am so tired of having to prepare dinner every night because nobody knows how to cook. And I'm sitting there looking at her going like, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly how that feels. But it was, the, it was her adult realization that, Mom, why didn't somebody teach them how to cook? Yeah. Can't tell you, honey. But my kids learned how to cook, how to clean, how to, how to do what needed to be done because right. you got to teach them. As much fun as it is, it might take them two hours to fold the laundry and you're ready to pull your hair out because you could do it in 10. Or, or the dishes. Or the, oh my God. I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, even now my wife rewashes my dishes. But anyway, you might have to rewash the dishes after they wash them. But, you know, it's, and it's being thankful that somebody took the time. Now, I grew up multi- generational family my grandmother showed me a lot of things yeah. because she had the time she was home yeah i gonna say my grandmother showed me you know different things because uh, they were my grandmother would take me on nature walks and point out different herbs and you know this is good for this this is good for that you know oh that you put that in stew you know whatever you know and you're sitting there like amazed that yeah. you can go out in the forest and actually eat the stuff yeah the first uh, time Detroit, I found a May apple amazed me. Or um, it was not uncommon, you know, granted this is during the summer when, you know, or I guess uh, summer, early fall, going out and getting a fresh tomato, tomato slicing up and turning it into spaghetti sauce. Oh, yes. <sighs> you know, going through that whole process of this doing the boiling it boiling down and, and getting it. it thick and putting all the spices and herbs in yeah. it mm. and the fresh herbs because you know they were in the garden as well you know the, the rosemary the thyme and all the i, I just I think granted they never did, had the garlic you always you know they yeah you, know, you always yeah you know, buy the garlic yeah, yeah. oh that stuff grows horribly but you know seriously 
I'm thankful that I was lucky enough to grow up in a multi-generational home where we learn. You know, I'm thankful that I have these stories about my great aunts. And, you know, like I said, you know, during Thanksgiving, you might have to tune to it because, you know, something happened and, you know, Aunt Mabel said this to Aunt Elsie and... Oh, now they're fighting again. <laughs> now they're fighting. So, oh, they're going to have, you know, their immediate Thanksgiving and they're going to have their immediate Thanksgiving and cousin so-and-so is going to, you know, have their Thanksgiving and you need to go. And my immediate family, you're the aunt, my mom, and, you know, we're going to do the Thanksgiving and, oh, your friends invited you over for, you know, some... Yes. I'm like, I was inundated because I guess people think I'm single and I'm not. No, honey, my turkey's there already. It'll be put down in the refrigerator a little bit later on this week so it can start thawing out. But no, I mean, it's great that people check on me. You know, do you want to come to Thanksgiving? No, I'm going to stay home in my pajamas all day and eat turkey. Eat turkey and... Lots of wine, lots of turkey, lots of cranberry sauce. I'm good. <laughs> the whole world can go away at that point. But I think teaching our children um, just the little things to be thankful for, that they know how to do, yep. you know, they know how to cook. They know how to make their own bed. They know how to they separate their laundry. Or showing them how to change their own oil, tires. I mean, things oh. like, you know, I mean, how to do a flat tire. I mean, Believe it or not, that my son's already had to do that, but you know, we showed him on you know. My daughter, <laughs> we went. My daughter's school had this thing to go to Appalachia, West Virginia. I ended up at my third cousin's house um, to work on the houses for seniors and low income. It was part of a uh, thing that they did. So we shipped up to West Virginia. Well, she wanted to take the old car because she loved driving it, so I let her drive. Um, but the car, I, I swear, we went through oil like it was water. Um, it got maybe five gallons to a quart of oil. So she had to learn to check the oil, check the, the power steering fluid and the brake fluid because they all, it was a really old car. But we only went like five hours away, so I wasn't really concerned. Right. Um, we drove it up there, and we get there, and um, she's... 17 and um they were going to go into town to the dairy queen and she's like mom can i take the car and i'm like i really don't care i said but you always had to check the car because so she goes out there and she throws up the lid and she's checking and making sure all the fluids are good and she opens it going back getting out the jug and, and and this there's five guys and no she was about 16. there's like five guys sitting there watching have no idea what she's doing one of them finally got the nerve because they went to school together and he walks up to her and he says, what was all of that about oh i had to check the you know the oil the power steering fluid and she said ah oh, yeah i checked the antifreeze while i was under there too and this guy is amazed they're all standing there they have no idea so they all go to the dairy queen they come back the next night they wanted to go back to have another banana split or whatever. That was a thing for them because all the adults were kind of like sitting around chilling out. So the kids wanted to go somewhere else, what, you know, yeah. away from the adults. So they went, to, I, I didn't care. I said, yeah, you can go. So the one boy's like, so Angela goes to, to, you know, check on the stuff on the car. And the one boy follows her 
and she's teaching this young man how to do this stuff. And I am sitting there, I am like totally amazed. And I was like, wow, you, you know, you really did that. And I go back to my first father-in-law who showed me how to do it because mm-hmm. he didn't want me getting caught on the road. I changed that tire. I learned how to check the oil. I learned well, how to check you, the antifreeze. Okay. With changing the tire, before you know you jack it up, you need to loosen the lug nuts before you... That is... Learn that. Yeah. I mean... I The hard way. Yeah. Because I, I rolled something it. simple, I mean... Right off the jack. <laughs> I took the car right off the jack. Yeah. Then you have a whole other set of problems. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I really think children, when we're teaching them to be thankful, we need to teach them to be thankful for a lot of different things. I mean, it's not just the obvious mommy, daddy, house, food, you know, having the ability to have, to learn different things, you know, to have that, um, like in the schools, my son went to, uh, he got to go to a really good school and they actually learned Japanese for eight years. So he got to immerse himself in a whole nother culture. And that was awesome for me. I thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. He got to do all this stuff. And it was like, as he still keeps up with it, he reads two of the, there's three dialects. He reads two, he can speak three. Here he got a katakana and kanji. There you go. (laughs) I I will tell you, um, I'm like, I'm glad you never needed a tutor because I would have been up the creek without a paddle because I have no idea. No, he couldn't take French or Spanish or something I could do. No, he takes Japanese. But he kept up with it. But, you know. Hirigana is more American Japanese. I mean. That might be the one he can read and speak in probably. And I don't know what the other one is. Katakana is more traditional Japanese and kanji is more Chinese you have a lot of more Chinese characters and way of speaking I know he can speak in the three and he can only read the two because evidently the other one has I guess more characters to it so it would be more difficult for him to read but I look at things like that like if you allow your kids to have opportunities like that, that is a thankful thing. And your children can actually, you can actually instill that in them. You know, you've learned something that maybe your peer group didn't know. Because when he was in scouts, nobody in his scout group knew that. They were all taking French and Spanish and German, you know, and Jason's up there Japanese. Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, he, he's doing his <laughs> And I'm like going, oh, I'm impressed. Um <laughs> No clue what he said. I don't. I only know a little, very little. I know absolutely. I know Sensei. That was his teacher. I mean, his teacher, because I spoke with his Sensei on many occasions. But you know, I think if we we take out all the normal thing I'm thankful for and get something unusual in there, I think I would challenge a child. Give me something unusual you're thankful for. All right. Well, our time is up. <gasps> Already. Okay. I know. So anybody who has any really good ideas for Thanksgiving, um, I know my daughter-in-law is doing a, um, we call it butcher sheets. I don't know what you call it. It's what we have in Baltimore to cover the tables with when we eat crabs. If you don't have newspaper, butcher block paper. Yeah, it's 
brown paper or sometimes tan colored white yeah. you know and they're drawing the tree and then they have the leaves and the kids are writing what they're thankful for and they're putting the leaves on it and they're going to hang it up and i thought well that's pretty that's different she's dealing with eight-year-olds seven-year-olds so that's kind of a, a thing that they can handle and uh she said it was going to be something different she didn't want to hear the the normal food health mom and dad you know but let's try and be different and i think you know, even if we do our gratitude jar, if we put down some of the crazy stuff we're thankful for, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful that I can actually practice my faith. Yeah. Couldn't do that when I started. No. I mean, how many of our, like I said, my my grandmother would take me on nature walks. She was very much into herbology. Uh, she, yeah. I mean, she had recipes recipe cards that I wish I, I had but they got lost through time or stolen <laughs> <laughs> somebody absconded with them you know that yeah I mean with her you know herbal remedies and things like that I mean but if and she lit a candle every full moon but if you asked her she was a Quaker I had a good Christian grandma mm -hmm. who could whip up a hot toddy like nobody's business you get a headache she had the mint right there rubbing it on your forehead i mean all of that little stuff that we yeah i mean i took for granted but I, like i said i mean the, those remedies and things like that it is part of the craft uh, you know it it's very much part of the craft i mean I, they, they people... practice without you know the they whatever they called it i mean you know but like i said my grandmother every full moon would light a candle i asked her why she do that it's nice okay not, yeah but that i mean she would never it's it's really funny that every like i'm from appalachia they do so many things and you just sit there and go oh my god you guys are all witches but don't ever say that they're all good christians but it's how you interpret, like, they're more, because um, it's rural back there, there's not a lot of doctors, you, you basically depend on yourself. So you learn the little things to do, oh, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting a little croupy, you know, I need to make a lemon and honey tea. Yeah. And, and you don't even think about it, you just go and do it. And it's like, why are you doing that? Oh, you know, it, it cuts the, yeah, I know, that's that's like an herbal thing. That's like what well, I no, it's not herbal thing. No, 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 because I'm a witch, I follow, you know, someone asked me that, you know, how do you live a witchy life? And I'm like, Oh, I, I, no, no. How do you live a Christian I, 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 I life? I can ask that question too. I mean, I, someone asked, do, do I have altars everywhere in my house? No, I, I've got oh. a couple set up, but nothing, you know, but if you were to look at them, you would never tell it's an altar. I mean, to be honest, I mean, well, you know, I obviously have, you yeah. know, virtual circle I, altar, but. I, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, a simple altar i mean i have a statue that i have a candle by that is an altar yeah uh, my, my hecate altar that's actually my triple goddess altar i mean it that is but i get asked simple. 
how do you live a witchy life? And I'm like, you do everything with purpose. You know, you, you get your coffee or your tea and you, you fill it and you stir it and you, you put good intentions into it. Like, I'm going to have a good day today. It's okay. going to be a good day. The boss is going to leave me alone. The boss is going to leave me alone. The boss is not coming in today, you know. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I get asked that. You know, how do you teach your kids the craft? You teach them by doing it. I, I know that's shocking. But, you know, you don't have to have a wall that looks like this. You know, you can have a normal house. I've never been normal, so, you know, my kids are used to it. But just oh, a little thing. Abby. It's all good. Oh, I'm, not, I'm just crazy. My kids will tell you. You're Abby normal. I'm Abby normal. Let me tell you, my children will call me something else. But it's, you know, and then you've got your kids and you're explaining it. Like when my one granddaughter was little, um, I had a teaching altar and of course, you know, I, I set it up and she had played with all the candles and they were all in the wrong spot. And then I, I'm like, I go to open the cauldron and there's my little pony in the cauldron I had to take out. And it's because she was allowed to play at the altar so she could learn what it was. I didn't want her to be a, a frightened of it. You know, it's like, this is what your grandmother does. She is now an adult and she just thinks I'm crazy, but she absolutely loves it because she likes to be a mermaid. So this grandma finds everything in mermaids I can put my hands on and she goes to her. But it's like, she's like, you really get it. You, and I said, that's part of your persona. That is what you put out to the world. That is what I see. And I said, just like you see me, you don't see me running around in a black dress with a black hat. You see me as, you know, I did the herbs and I do the altars and I do little things. And I had 500 different robes and she remembers a lot of the different colored robes I have. So that was her thing. My grandmother's a witch. She never wore black all the time. I wore every color in the world because I just, I did the color for whatever I was doing. You know, I had my Maybach. Well, if you're not leading the circle, I, I, I'm, I'm calling water. Well, I'm going to wear my blue robe. Uh, exactly. Yeah. That was what I did. I had 22 <laughs> robes that hung up, and she was allowed to touch each one of them. So she grew up with that kind of stuff, and it's never been an issue because that's just part of growing up. And that's what I try to tell people with your kids. If you're teaching them, it's no big deal. Hey, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my grandmother does that too. Yeah. I kind mean, of thing. You know, and they, you know, they might want to go to church or over here, synagogue or something like that. I mean, just because, I take we're, on, just because we're on this path, that's not necessarily their path. You know, I got a lot of negativity. My late husband was Irish Catholic. Mm -hmm. Staunch Irish Catholic. I mean, Catholic to the core. And I would go to church with him or Saturday or Sunday, whenever he went. And I sat right next to him because he went to my rituals with me. Uh -huh. And someone asked me, says, well, how can you go to church if you don't believe it? I said, I never said I don't believe in God. We just worship differently. And I said, there's not that much difference between what I'm doing and he's doing. I said, I participated because I was praising my God. We all have in our heads what our God looks like or goddess because you, you personify it. Yes. Um, that's why Jesus has light colored hair and fair skin. Really? Um, 
but you personify it. So when I'm in there with everybody and they're looking at Jesus, I'm I'm looking at Dionysius because that's who's in my head. So it doesn't matter. I mean, people were like, well, don't you feel conflicted? Why would I feel conflicted? We're all celebrating we're, deity. We're, we're, we're all worshiping deity just in a different way. I mean, right. when I was going to Mass, I really saw it as just a different way of worshiping. I mean, the basics are still the same. I mean, 90% you know, of it's still the same. <laughs> I, Instead of cakes and ale, we have communion. Yeah. Other than that, everything's the same. I mean... Well, yeah, the same thing, but different meanings. I mean... Oh, well, we don't do transfiguration, and the Catholics do, so they got one up on us. They do yeah, high magic. We, we don't, you know, they believe it trans... Yeah, that's we high magic. Money. I mean, we have our act of power, but yeah, yeah. transfiguration really gets me. Well, but, my, my favorite is um, when I was uh, studying to become Catholic, a Jesuit priest said it's actually high magic. Their words, not mine. Look, my priest knew I was pagan, and he well, was like, I mean, "So did I mean?" You know, okay. I said, "I'm not going to say anything," but every once in a while, I would have to have a joke with him about it. I was like, "Man, I, if I could get down that transfiguration, I would be great, witch. I just can't get that down." And I won't tell you what he said. <laughs> it's very colorful, <laughs> but. You know, and it's that kind of thing. We grew up in a household. I raised my children. You can pick what you want. This is all the stuff. If you want to go somewhere else, let me know. We'll go. Yeah. So my kids have been to Druids, Cedar Light ADF, uh, Cedar Light Grove in Baltimore. They've been to synagogues. They've been to Protestant churches. They've been, of course, they obviously went to Catholic church, and they've been through witch services. So it's not like... So, um, my, my son sometimes goes to a Christian church. But when he's sitting around, kitchen, uh, around the kitchen, uh, there's a song that we sing. It's Ancient of Ancient. He'll be sitting there humming along and just singing Ancient of Ancient. Ancient of Ancient. Yeah. Or when you hear your kid come out with Namaste. Yeah. Or Blessed Be. Yeah. That, that freaked me out the first time I heard my kid say it. I was like, oh, God. But, you know, it's just like anything else. If you teach them, they'll yeah. learn it. And, so and I think gratitude... I mean, exposing them to different faiths helps them understand other cultures and where they come from. I think every child needs a spiritual base, mm -hmm. regardless of what it is. I mean, with not cults, you know what I'm saying. Protestant, Catholic, you know, whatever. But they need a base to work on. And yeah. from that base, that gives them hope. It also gives them something to believe in, something to maybe give them a second before they do something stupid. You know, I, I used to, the phrase, what would Jesus do, used to drive me crazy. But if you stop and you repeat that to yourself, that gives you a two-second window to change your mind. Yeah. And I that's mean, all it is. Because I, I don't care who you are, kids have impulse control issues. I don't care, you know, I mean, the thought comes in their head and... Yep. <laughs> Why'd you do that? I don't know. I just thought about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but... one of my, my sons, Seth, um, uh, Simon is several years younger than he is. So, you know, they tend to butt heads. 
well, we had time out. I mean, that's, you know, the, the, if you did this, this is your punishment. We had it on the refrigerator. So did I. <laughs> anyway, and, you know, if they, you know, you hit, you hit your, hit your sibling, this is your punishment. Seth, I mean, Simon was being extra Simon that day. Just, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing. Seth looked at the punishment. Looked at Simon. Smacked him upside the back of his head. <laughs> went, set the timer, set his butt down. Totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I... You, Okay, he knew what was going to happen. He knew the consequences. He weighed the consequences, did the action, and took the punishment. And he it, understood that his action had, had a reaction. Had a consequence to that reaction. You know, if his actions, this was going to be the consequences. I love it. I do. I really and, do. You know, <laughs> and it was, I had to go to the other room. I really did because I'm sorry. I was. I, I've had to excuse myself on several occasions. <laughs> excuse I mean, me, I, I can't adult him, right now. You, know, you go through that whole process. You know, is this going to be worth this action? So, you know, he did the cause, you know, obviously, you know, knew the going to be the consequences, read it, decided, smacked him, and did, you know. <laughs> and took his. But you know, <laughs> that's a kid who absolutely understood that they had free will. Yes. But there's consequences for your actions. And are you willing to take the risk? Yeah. And that's phenomenal because a kid, well, I've got kids today who can't even make a decision. Yeah. But uh, I was impressed that he, you know, is that the, when the parent goes, yes? Because, you know, I'm on the sideline. You know, I'm, he's staring at the refrigerator. That's what I noticed the first. He just kind of... So, you know, I see the wheels turning. You know, it, what, is, what is he... You know, why is he looking at the chart? You know, why is he... Look, you know, like I said, then he walks around. Or we had an island. Whops him. I mean, knocked him completely on his butt. <laughs> You know, sometimes you just gotta do it. Okay? <laughs> I had a little brother. Sometimes you just gotta do right. it. Right, and then you know, after whopping, walks over to the stove, and then does the circle, sits down in the chair. Totally worth it. I'm watching this all transpire. You know, I, I mean, first I'm in shock because you know it. I mean, Simon's obviously crying, kind of. Yeah, I, I, I think. It, I wouldn't even call it a cry. It's kind of one of those, he just hit me. It didn't really hurt, but, it, you know. I'm going to make a scene. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make a scene. So, you, you, But then, you know, it, you, you really can't say anything to him because he, you know, weighed all his options, you know, thought it was worth it. But, you know, I mean, Simon was annoying him for an hour, two hours, you know, just. Being yeah. the little brother. Being a little brother, yeah. Being a little brother. That right there says it all. <laughs> Being a little My brother. granddaughters came in, and they didn't always like to stay with me because I'm the grandma with rules because you're not going to drive me crazy. 
Um, and I still had the rules. Now, there's 14 years between my oldest and my youngest. So I'm going to tell you, there's, there's a reason there were rules on the refrigerator. And Jessica comes in and I'm like, why do you have rules on the refrigerator? They're almost like mommy's rules. And Brianna turns around and says, who do you think raised mommy? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but it really impressed me that my daughter had the rules on her refrigerator. Cause I was like, ah, oh, you learned something. Um, because we had, we had to do that because of the age span. Oh, my I have goodness. a 16-year-old and a two-year-old. Right. Mm, no, do not do that. Yeah, really don't because he's up all night teething and she walks in the room and you're grounded. Why? You breathe. That's all she had to do is breathe. You're grounded for a week. You know, so it, it got to the point. Yeah, where also, that, it helps keep us in check that we're not... Over, that's why we had to write the rules up because I was really, Jason was well, not mean, a good not, sleeper. Not that if you're raising an abusive household necessarily. I mean, no, it but it's just helps keep because I'm sorry. Sometimes, you know, they do push us a little too far and we go to extremes. Yes. Like she walked in and breathed, you're grounded for a week, you breathe yeah, loud, you kind of woke up. That's one of the extremes, or, you know. And, it, and okay. with mine being so far apart. You know, as parents, we still have bad days. You know, something just, something that day just irritated you and your kid comes in. That's it. I, I just failed an exam or, you know, whatever. Just, you just one more screw. Yeah. Well, that's and, what I said. Mine were so far apart. I had right. a toddler cutting teeth at two and I have a 16 year old who's, so hormonal it was like Ugh. so there was yeah that. okay you you've had two hormonals <laughs> it's not necessarily hormones but it's still they're going through drastic changes toddler i mean they're you're going 16. from and yeah. the two-year-old is going through whatever two-year-olds yeah i'm terrible yeah. twos and you've got a 16 year old going and terrible twos yes and you're <laughs> trying to balance and it just, it doesn't work. So rather than over punish her, yeah. because that's what was happening. And it's like, yeah. that's not fair. So we wrote down, if you're late, her, her worst was breaking curfew. She could never get on all time. So it's, if you're late, your phone gets taken away for you know, this. It sounds like something you might have done too. Me? I never had a curfew, so I never had to break one. Oh. <laughs> I bet I raised myself. So that was a little different, but I, if I would have had a curfew, I would have broken it every night. I just know that. She's my mini-me, so I know. But it was just those kinds of things. And then she did it on, so it was like repeating itself. But it, it really makes good sense. But there again, we're talking with the kids. We sat down. We wrote it up. Yeah, we okay. the, the, listened. You know, I mean, we same thing. I sat down. We sat down with because mm -hmm. we had the three older ones are only a year apart or year and some chain, you know, couple yeah. months, but I mean, they're really close together. And then we have Simon who is like four year, four years difference between Seth and. Uh, oh, that's enough to make it. Still, I mean, there's still enough gap. And no, have, because of the way they age and the yes. way they mature, that is a huge gap. Well, and the, the three, I mean, they're so close. I mean, they were always, then they Three left Simon, and Simon would try to... He wanted to make it four, and it didn't work. Right. Yep. But that I think the thing to take away with Thanksgiving is 
look at the unusual blessings that you have. Like, you know, sometimes a blessing, like I grew up in a multicultural home, which is really cool because I'm very tolerant of other cultures. I'm very aware and I'm very... I grew up with five grandmothers alive at the same time. And then I also had great aunts and great uncles. I mean, great aunts, great uncles. And I, I guess it's multi-generational. I mean, really, yeah. I, mean, I had 100 years, you know, experience, you know, kind of. And, I, you know, you don't get that anymore. No. I mean, my my great-grandmother passed away when she was 90. My great-great. Mommy Davis passed away when she was 93. I was about, I was six when she passed away. Wow. But, I mean, I still had some. Still, still told me stories, and when I was go, uh, she had a chicken coop, and oh and uh, you know, of course, uh, when I say indoor plumbing, she didn't get indoor plumbing until she went through her second bout of cancer, and by indoor plumbing, I mean the pump came inside. Oh yeah, they didn't trust those pipes. No, but she still had an outhouse. But, you know, when you grow up with something like that, that's different. Yeah. And I think that's a thankful thing. It, it makes you appreciate indoor plumbing now. <laughs> I, we had an outhouse. I'm I, I'm, 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 I don't know who, I mean, an outhouse during the winter is not necessarily the best thing. Even, you know, you go to the throne room and it might be a little cold is not negative. 30 degrees. No. <laughs> Let me tell you what the guys and scouts used to do when I was in Boy Scouts. They'd wait till all of us women got up and went to use the bathroom because they were metal yes. lids and metal seats on a wooden box yes. in camping. So in J January in Baltimore, you go sit on that and I guarantee you, you might get stuck to it, but it's going to be cold. So all the guys used to wait for us to do that. Well, what they fail to understand is we can stand a little bit off and we can pee. And we don't have to sit on it. When they, you'd hear every once in a while, one of them going there, you'd hear their, woo. <laughs> yeah. But they always used to joke they wait for us to go to the bathroom first. But yeah, I, I can appreciate that one. I think we need to just really look at the unusual things we're thankful for. You know, just make it a, a game. What yeah. what is so unusual that you're thankful for? You know, I'm thankful that I English wasn't my first language. I got I got to have the ability. Uh, I don't have it now. Gosh, I haven't used it in umpteen million years. But it was still the idea that actually, what's funny, um, when I was younger, I learned to sign, and I, which um, I one of my neighbors was hearing impaired. So you know, I to he would show me how to sign in and which is really funny is my uh my coworker, i she was on the phone so i signed thank you not even thinking i was just something you, yeah thank you and she's like <gasps> you know i was like then you know says her son's death and things like that i didn't know that about her but you know oh. i just kind of you know i you know but it wasn't even i wasn't even conscious because she was on the phone so my it was a natural reaction yeah a, a trained response almost uh, because yeah. you're oh she's she's can't hear me so i'm going to you know 
That's really cool. I mean, little things like that that you know how to. That's okay. I don't sign. I'm deaf in one ear. I didn't have to, but I read lips. I'm I'm hearing impaired. I have had a permanent set of tubes in my ear since I was 13. I went through several sets before age 13. I went before then. I went through like 23 sets. Wow. They I, didn't have that when I was a kid. Well, I I have 20% hearing loss in one ear and 10% mm. in the other. I've got 95 in this ear. Right. I, I mean, I... I'm basically I, deaf on well, one they, if they want to do surgery, I'll, they, they want to do it. I'm trying to tell them no. Leave it alone because I would become even more hearing impaired. And I'm already reading lips a lot of the time. Uh, and I had to do that. I was taught that in school. And I think it's really cool because if... The problem I have is if I'm in a crowded room, I can't focus, so that's when I have to read lips or you have to touch me so that I, I can focus on you because when there's too much noise going around, I can't because this it's is... Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, this is gone and this is trying to pick it all up and I, I can't tell you if something drops what room it's in because yeah. I don't have the directional. I only it, hear on I this side. I guess that's the sound I hear. It, it's more... Uh, Noise, white noise. I mean, it's, yeah, it's background noise. It's yeah. like someone talking in another room. Yeah. yeah. And I have to really. I, I had a hundred Cub Scouts in my unit, and they all knew they had to touch me in order for me to focus enough so I could hear what they're saying. Because they, I, I explained that I, you know, I cannot hear out of my ear. It was a big discussion we had with the boys, so that they understood that I'm not ignoring you. I just can't hear you. Oh, and, which is funny because she'll be talking and if I'm not paying attention she's like she'll come in the other room tap me on the shoulder I'm like I've been talking to you for the last that you know whatever I'm like um, <laughs> uh, the way I sit at my desk this is where my opening is I have a wall and it goes like this so this is the opening so I can't hear you I can hear, but it, you don't hear it clearly because I'm on this side. So everybody has to come to my desk this way. And if I'm focused, my boss stood there and talked to me today, and I, he's like, did you hear anything I said? And I said, oh, you talking to me? He's like, don't be a smart ass. I, I, I really didn't hear you. And he looked at me. He was, I said, you're on the wrong side. I wear my hair on this side. I always have yeah. because I can't hear to make sure this side's clear. Yeah. And I've always parted my hair on this side so I could do this so I could hear. And I always tell everybody, if the hair's down this side, I can't hear. That's why. And answer, I'm right-handed, so I'm on the phone. You know, I, I do that cripple thing, like, because I can't hear on this side. So I can't hear and write. I have to hold the phone here like this and try and write when people are talking to me. But that's a cool thing. You know, you read lips. People are like, well, how do you read lips? My late husband had a mustache. How did I read his lips? He had to keep it short right above here so I could actually see his upper lip because otherwise I couldn't hear him. So when it started to get long, I'd say, come on, we got to trim it. I can't hear you. Because he used to laugh. Oh, you can't hear me? You got to trim my mustache? Well, I couldn't see it, so I couldn't read it. But that's really, that's cool. You know how to sign. That's an awesome thing. Um, and well, like I said, I, I'm rusty because I you know, don't use it. On a daily basis. No, but it's really about cool. Foreign language, but it's, it is it is a it is a foreign language. It I mean, is. It is a foreign language. I I really wish they would start teaching languages to children in first and second grade. That's when they're more susceptible to understanding. My son started Japanese in first grade. Yeah. 
I mean, you can. It's easier for them to intermingle with the. I mean, their their mind is a sponge. They just pick yeah. everything up. Yes. And it's amazing. Um, a friend of mine at work is from Lithuania, and her son. They moved over here. He's like ten, and he didn't really speak English when they got over here, but he's speaks it like a true 10-year-old now. Um, and she was like, I was amazed he learned it so quickly. And I say, kids will pick up a language like that. That's why all these little kids go around interpreting for their parents. Because when you're little, for some reason, I, I picked it up, pick up another language just like that. But as an adult, the, I, I'm trying to learn. The, uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, no. It's like learning Greek. Uh, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> But uh, when I went to Catholic school when I was younger, we learned Latin in first and second grade and for the mass. So it was interesting that we could pick it up so quickly. But you have a basics for a lot of the romantic languages. I did. But, yeah, I had French my and partner. And Latin. This dude will never speak Latin. Five years with this guy, and I he'll never. This little Irishman will never speak Latin. I I, I did everything I knew how to teach him because they used to pair us up. Yes. So that we could help each other out, and he's definitely Irish. We'll just leave it there. So he understood the Gaelic. Uh, I'm sure he probably did. Um, actually, Gaelic's only spoken by like four percent of the population. Yes, I know, but the, it's the, a dying the... language. But they are bringing back, if you, okay, I'm, I'm on all the indigenous things because my family. Um, but they're starting to bring back a lot of the Native American language, like Cree and stuff like that. They're actually doing them on um, all the different websites now. So you can actually go and learn how to speak Cree. Now, the national language for the Native Americans is Lakota. They had the big tribal conference and, and decided that, Lakota will be the language that you could speak anywhere. But if you know anybody who's Crow or Cree or the different ones, the languages are that different. And it's really cool that um, they're starting to get some of the elders and making them sit down and teach teach it on um, YouTubes and stuff like that so that the younger kids can start picking it up and learning but it. We've, but they've also lost a lot, too. I mean, yeah. a, lot of the... a lot of the elders, I mean... I know we are Choctaw and Shawnee, and that's gone. As far as I know, there's very little of that left. Now, Lenny Lenape, we have Lenny Lenape in there. That's the Delaware Indians. There's still a lot of that. But the Appalachian languages are dying out very quickly because there's nobody left to speak them. You know, and that would be something to learn. Well, it is time. We've got to get off here. We will meet again next week. Um, remember to go to our Facebook page, go to our wet, our, um, email. If you have anything that you want to say, see or hear, let us know. We'll be more than willing. Um, I'm going to send everybody off with the big, brightest blessings because, um, only another week and we're all going to be eating turkey and filling our bellies with that. I, I make a suggestion on our Facebook page, uh, type, or, you know, after you see this video, comments on what your, what your unusual blessing is. Yeah, that's cool. You're unusual. Thank you. What would you be thankful for? I'm going to put mine out there. I'm going to encourage everybody to put theirs out there. Like I said, you know, I'm thankful I grew up in a multi-generational, multicultural household because I got to learn a lot that people who are only in that little culture 
have never seen or done or can understand, like make fun of. I know not to. I was, I'm thankful for my, well, again, multi but learning how to cook and that's a great one. Learning how to cook. Simple. Let me tell you, there is nothing sexier than a man who can cook because you two can get in the kitchen and you just have so much fun cooking in the kitchen. I know that sounds stupid, but I'm serious. And tripping over each other. And, you know, well, well, one is cooking, one is washing dishes. And then, you know, you, you... you just back and forth. It was so funny. Um, my late husband could cook. And we would get in the kitchen together and we would, we would be having so much fun. It didn't matter what we were cooking. We're laughing and carrying on and just, you know, just enjoying the time with each other and cooking. And as silly as it sounds, that to me is, is the epitome of sexy if a man can cook. Because that means that he understands. Yeah. You know, so and, yeah. And, and he can follow, uh, you know. A recipe. list. <laughs> you can actually go to the store and buy. When you put one butter on there, he doesn't come back with one stick of butter. Comes back with a whole pound of butter. Do not laugh. That really happened. My brother went to the store when he was a kid, and on the list it said one butter, and he came back with one stick of butter. I'll never forget. I thought my father was going to kill him. Anyway, so, right. Next week, we'll see you all and have a great one. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.